morning church it's a joy to gather this way and to open God's word this morning it's a great privilege to study God's word and to hear from God's word now please turn with me to Colossians chapter 2 Colossians chapter 2 and we are going to look at verse 8 um, all the way to verse 15. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 to verse 15. And let me read it. Uh, I want to start from, from verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And here's our focus this morning. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. You have been filled in him who is the head over all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the, the title of my sermon is Jesus is Enough. The Sufficiency of Jesus Christ. This is a recurring theme in Colossians. In Colossians 1.28, there we see the theme of the Apostle Paul's ministry where he says, Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And he says, why does he do that? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. In Colossians 2, 5, the Apostle Paul lays out his heart for these believers. He says, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and what? And firmness of your faith in Christ. And as you continue with the text, you see in Colossians 2 verse 6 and 7, uh, there is this Christ-centered approach of the Christian life. There is this emphasis of how Jesus Christ is front and center in all of Christianity. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, what must you do? Walk in him, rooted and built up in him 
and established in the faith in him just as you were taught about him and abounding in thanksgiving to him see the sufficiency of jesus christ is not just a theme that we see in colossians in fact this is the theme of all of scripture john 20 verse 31 these words were written so that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name you see the sufficiency of jesus christ is also what jesus preached i am the way the truth and the life and no one can go to the father except through me see jesus is enough and brethren, we will never get tired of this preaching. Actually, as I was looking at this text this week, I was thinking, have I, have I not preached a sermon in this title? And I was looking back at our recordings and, and I was seeing uh, Jesus, our triumphant Savior. Jesus, our qualified Savior. Jesus, our all-sufficient Savior. And so, brothers and sisters, this is so key to our life as Christians and our life as a church. And we have to keep bringing it back. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient. This is the foundation of all truth. Jesus is enough. This is the rock upon which all true believers stand. Jesus is sufficient. This is the antidote and the deterrence of all false teaching. So brothers and sisters, for time together this morning, I want us to learn about the sufficiency of Jesus Christ to provide a coherent worldview. And I want us to avoid any framework of thinking that does not have Christ at the center. So this is our focus this morning. I want us to see that Jesus is enough to give us a coherent worldview. And having seen that, I want us to heed the warning to avoid any other form of thinking that does not have Christ at the center. So let's look at verse 8 and 9, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And here's our first point. Jesus is sufficient against empty philosophies. Jesus is sufficient against empty philosophies. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Let's stop there. You see, brothers and sisters, the subtle danger here is not that false teachers are outright rejecting Jesus Christ. False teachers present Jesus Christ as a savior. Yes, they speak about him as a prophet. Yes, yes, they declare that he is a man from God. They say he is a Lord and savior. False teachers say Jesus is a good teacher. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. But he's not enough. He's not sufficient. See, this is where the problem lies. 
false teachers say good things about Jesus. But they also say, uh, see, in, in order to complete the matter, we must add tradition. Uh, you see, we must supplement to Jesus. We must give him a touch of extra. And then everything will be perfect, you see. Everything will be balanced. Church, the Apostle Paul now draws our attention to this danger. He speaks with authority. He speaks with emphasis. He speaks with agency. What does he say? See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. See, the Apostle Paul warns and teaches. See, he warns us about the emptiness of a Christless way of thinking. He cautions us about the dangers of a godless system of thought. He warns us about a Christless worldview. He warns and teaches. He also teaches, we'll see in verse 9, that he teaches us about a Christian worldview. He shows us what it looks like to embrace a biblical, Christ-centered way of thinking. Warning against empty philosophies. Now, let us look at our text. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. See, watch out. That's the warning. Do not embrace a worldview that does not have Christ at the center. So I want to step back and define sometimes what is a worldview? What is a worldview? A worldview is a network of beliefs that people use to interpret and understand the world. Or we can say a worldview is a lens through which you view all reality. This is a lens that you use to make sense of the world. We can also put it this way. A worldview is a system of beliefs that we hold and we use to answer the basic questions of life. You see, your worldview is how you think about the world. It's how you think about morality. Your worldview is how you think about the purpose of life. So in any worldview, we answer these five basic questions. Who is in charge of all things? Who am I? Where do I come from? What is wrong with the world? How can the world be made right? This is the five, the fundamental questions that we ask to understand what your worldview is. And so Paul argues here in this text that any worldview that does not have Christ at the center in responding to these questions is an empty worldview. And he also wants us to realize that there is no neutrality. You are either embracing 
a Christian worldview or you are embracing a satanic worldview. A Christless worldview is an empty worldview. A Christless system of thought is deception and it must be repented of. And this is why the Bible is so strong about this warning. See to it that no one takes you captive. See, the idea here is make sure that no one kidnaps you by their false way of thinking. Protect yourself from being influenced by systems of thought that are empty. Do not be carried away by myths. Guard yourself. Be alert. See, this warning is seen also in the Bible in 1 Peter chapter 1, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You see, the Apostle Paul says they are darkened in their understanding. They are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Watch out. See to it that no one takes you captive. See, the Bible tells us that these worldviews are based on human tradition. See, they are centered around what people want what people fear, what people think, and what people delight in. They're full of speculation. They're not based on facts. They're based on folly. They're not rooted in truth. They're centered around mythology. He calls them empty deceit. They're according to human tradition. They're according to the elemental spirits of the world. And most importantly, they're not according to Christ. See, some of them might even talk about spirituality, but they never want to talk about Jesus Christ. Isn't this the philosophy of our day? Isn't this the obsession of our culture right now in South Africa? Ours is a nation that wants Christianity without Christ. Ours is a culture that wants Christless Christianity. We want a religion without God. We are a people who want Jesus and Sangomas at the same time. We want Jesus and palm readers, prophets, seers, and those who can predict the future. You see, this warning is not irrelevant. It is a warning that is timely for our day. Watch out against empty philosophies. Jesus is enough. And these philosophies are at schools. These philosophies are also in our media. Listen to this advert, uh, sorry, um, online, and it is an advert about this slot on Kaya FM. Uh, it reads as follows. The best tea in the city has kick-started a new monthly feature with a spiritual medium, Tebo Homfete, who returns to the show back by popular demand. Mfete's gift was first experienced by Kaya 95.9 listeners in June when in a much-loved show he gave readings to callers by simply hearing their voice and their birthdays. 
back by popular demand. This is a man on radio, you call in, and by simply hearing your voice, and you give him your birthday, you can ask him, should I marry this woman? And he'll tell you whether you should go ahead with it or not. Should I take this job? By hearing your voice and your birthday, he tells you, no, 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 don't take that job. Go ahead, go ahead with that job. Back, back by popular demand, it says. Kaya FM is not forcing this guy on people. They want him, where is he? We want him. The philosophy of consulting mediums, sangomas, and prophets is so popular today that every radio station seems to have a slot, either for a sangoma or a psychic. Here's another one, star signs. So I enjoy listening to radio interviews, and now and then the host will be talking to the visitor and, and stop them. Hey, hey uh, what's your star sign? And then after, the, after uh, uh, this visitor tells them their star sign, and the host uh, almost like, ah, oh, you know, there's this revelation. They're like, oh, it makes sense. <laughs> you see, it's as if they can figure. They've figured out the other person. You know, they make sense of them by knowing their star sign. Friends, I'm warning you about these philosophies because they are prevalent in our day and the danger is that they are mixed up with Christianity. They are all over the place. We must be careful that we don't adopt them. See, the Christian faith needs to push back. We need to ensure that this sort of false religion does not infiltrate the church. We need to stand as the Christian faith and say, away with anything that does not exalt Jesus Christ. Away with anything that attempts to undermine the authority and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Jesus is sufficient against empty worldviews. And also, Jesus is sufficient to provide a complete worldview. Let's move to our second point. Embrace a Christ-centered worldview. Now look at the text. Look at verse 8 and 9 of Colossians chapter 2. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Embrace the Christian worldview. Now, let us trace the logic of this text. In verse 8, the text gives a stern warning. Make sure that you mark and avoid any worldview that is not according to Christ. And then in verse 9, we see the reason. In other words, why must we only hold to the Christian worldview? Why must we subscribe to the Christian worldview alone? In verse 9, for in him, for in Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now, to put it in simple terms, embrace the way of Jesus because Jesus is God. There is no other way better than this. Embrace the way of Jesus alone because Jesus is God. You cannot do anything better than this. 
You can't improve upon this. There is nothing better than this. You cannot supplement to this. There is no alternative and there is no adding to this. Embrace the way of Jesus because Jesus is God. Full stop. There's no better way than this. Colossians 2, 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Colossians 1, 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1, 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is sufficient against empty worldviews. Furthermore, Jesus is sufficient to provide a complete worldview. Now, let us see how the Christian worldview answers these five fundamental basic questions of life. Who is in charge? Who is in charge? Colossians 2, 9. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus Christ is God. He rules all things. He's in authority of all things. Colossians 2, 17. Jesus is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Colossians 1, 15. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn or the supreme of all creation. Jesus is in charge. Now, what do empty philosophies say about Jesus? They say he was a wise man. He was a teacher. He was a revolutionary. He was a peacemaker, a prophet, a great leader, a martyr. But he is not God. Friends, it does not matter how many good things you say about Jesus Christ, but if you fail at this point, you fail at all points. If Jesus Christ is not God, then he's not a savior. And if he's not a savior, then he's a liar, because he's the one who said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. And if he's a liar, he's a sinner. And if he's a sinner, we must not obey him. So if you fail at this point, you fail at all points. Every doctrine hinges upon this one. Who is in charge? Jesus Christ is in charge. Empty worldviews cannot answer this question. Listen to this answer from the American Museum of Natural History when they are asked, how did the universe begin? You know, basically, who is in charge? Who is in charge of all things? How did the universe begin? American Museum of Natural History. Our universe began with an explosion of space itself. The Big Bang, starting from extremely high density and temperature, space expanded. The universe cooled and the simplest elements formed. Gravity gradually drew matter together to form the first stars and the first galaxies. In other words, nothingness became something. Hmm. Nothing became something. According to this framework of thinking, the universe came into being due to an explosion of nothing. There's no God. The world is not in anyone's control. There's no one in charge. But for us Christians, we say Jesus Christ is in charge. He is the maker of all things. He's preeminent in all things. He is the immovable mover. He is the uncreated creator. He's the captain of the church. He's the redeemer of mankind. He's in charge of all things and he made all things let us see another fundamental question who am i who am i colossians 2 9 
For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. The first thing we must say is this. I am not God. Jesus is God. And this God made me. Colossians 1.16 For by him, by Jesus Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things and in him all things hold together. Who am I? I am a man made in the image of God. I have dignity. I was made to worship. What do empty philosophies say? Who am I? According to evolution, an article on, on the homepage of humanorigins.si.edu. Listen to this. Humans are primates. Physical and genetic similarities show that the modern human species, Homo sapiens, has a very close relationship to the apes. Humans, chimpanzees, and gorillas share a common ancestor that lived between 8 and 6 million years ago. Now, this is still from the same article. Scientists do not all agree, however, about how these species are related or which ones simply died out. Many early human species, certainly the majority of them, left no living descendants. Scientists also debate about how to identify and classify particular species of early humans and about what factors influence the evolution and extinction of each species. Now, so in short, let me put it in short. There's no evidence for all you've just said. There's insufficient data to make that conclusion. There is no consensus on this. And if we don't understand it, we'll throw millions of years. That will explain it. But we are going to make this conclusion anyway. Who am I? I'm an ape. You see, this is a worldview that is popular in our day. Most scientists are financially incentivized to hold this position. Most people just accept it without questioning. We need to fight back and proclaim the truth of Christianity about the true identity of man. We are distinct from animals. We must push back against this foolishness. I'm not an animal, I'm a man. I'm not a product of evolutionary processes. I was made in the image of God. I'm not an accident of nature. I was made by Jesus Christ to worship. Now, empty worldviews are not even coherent. They will state that man is an animal, but they want him to be treated different from animals. They say man is an animal, he's a descendant of apes and gorillas, but they want to lobby for man's dignity. Empty philosophies will say there is no God, but they want to argue for the purpose of man. Empty philosophies will say man is not any different to animals, but they want him to be treated with dignity. They operate on a borrowed capital. They fight for human rights while maintaining that humans are animals. But the Christ-centered worldview asserts that man has dignity because he's made in the image of God. 
that man is not an animal. See to it that no one takes you captive by empty philosophies. We move now to our next question to assess these worldviews. What is wrong with the world? Well, all worldviews will accept that there's something wrong with the world. We ask this question, what is wrong with the world? What does the Christian worldview say? Colossians 1, 13, I was in the domain of darkness. I required, I needed redemption and forgiveness of sin. Colossians 1, 21, I was alienated from God. I was hostile towards God. I delighted in doing evil deeds. Colossians 2.13, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. My disobedience made me dead towards God. I could not do anything to please God. Colossians 2.14, I had a record of death that stood against me. This means that my sin piled up a bad record against me and I was liable for the eternal punishment of God. God must punish me for it. So what is wrong with the world? Me. My sin. This is what is wrong with the world. Man has been made to live for God, but man lives for himself. He was made to worship God, but he worships and idolizes himself. He was made to honor God and he defied himself. He made himself into a God. And the problem with the world is me. I am a sinner in need of salvation. And this is the Christian worldview. What do empty philosophies say? Look at modern psychology. They say man is always a victim of his circumstances. How do you explain man's anger, man's bad decisions, man's criminal behavior, and man's corruption? Modern psychology says, cut him some slack. <laughs> we can explain, man. You see, you are like this because you grew up poor. You didn't experience love while growing up. You lacked a mother's love, a mother's affection, a mother's touch. Isn't this how they're trying to explain Tabo Bester? You have a deeper longing for your father. Your society corrupted you. You've had it hard in life. It's not you, it's your environment. It's always something outside of you. And, and friends, even though there's some validity on the impact of some of these things, but ultimately our actions are because of our desire to sin against God. Our problem is not out there. Our problem is in here. So the Bible does not take man off the hook so quickly. The Bible never uses this victim language. Man is responsible for his actions. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and continue to fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 59, 2, it says, your sins have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue mutters wickedness. 
It's a description of man. So, brethren, what is wrong with the world? According to the Christian worldview, me, my sin. Let us pick up another empty philosophy. Let's hear from politicians. <laughs> politicians, what is wrong with the world? It's the previous guy, eh? the previous administration. It's always the previous leadership. It's the guy who came before me. That's what's wrong with the world. You know, it's, it's apartheid. After a while, they change the tune. They say, well, wait, 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 wait. We know what's wrong. You see, we don't have a good education system. Uh, our health care is terrible. I tell you, if we take care of education, we take care of health care, we create jobs, uh, then you'll see heaven on earth. You see, they cannot fulfill these promises. And even when they attempt, it's never fulfilling. It doesn't solve our problems, but it exposes man's greatest need, man's greatest problem. The man is a sinner need of redemption. Empty philosophies. Mark them and avoid them. Here's another empty philosophy that's popular today. The Black Lives Matter movement, the liberal agenda. If you ask them what's wrong with the world, what do they say? What is, what's the big issue in the world? What's wrong with the world? It's white people and men. See, this empty philosophy, a mix of Marxism, racism, and feminism, and anti-Christianity. This is the most popular worldview in our day. This liberal agenda. They say the problem in the world is white people. It's men. It's Christianity. It's traditional nuclear families. The problem in the world is Christianity. And what have we experienced is the popularity of this movement. More radical racial tension. More misunderstanding amongst races, frustration, misinformation, heightened moral deterioration, aggressive anti-Christianity, the undermining of authority, mindlessness, bad education. Friends, we have put these worldviews under the test and we have asked who is in charge of all things? Who am I? Where do I come from? What is wrong with the world? And they are lacking. They come short. They are not coherent. They are empty, as our text puts it. They don't provide the solutions. They make things worse. You see, any attempt to fix something in the world by bypassing Jesus Christ is making it worse. Let us look at our final question. How can the world be made right? I'm not going to waste time with empty philosophies. Brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us that man needs to be reconciled with God. Colossians 1.19 For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Man needs redemption. Man needs to be made alive. Man needs forgiveness of sin. Man needs a mediator. Man is in need of a savior. 
And this Savior is Jesus Christ. Men and women need to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And this is how the world can be made right. And what are the benefits that believers get when they do that? When they put their faith in Jesus Christ? Look at verse 10. We find our fulfillment in him. In other words, we become complete in Jesus Christ. You see, in this restless world where people are going from pillar to post trying to find fulfillment, God promises all believers in Christ that they will find their ultimate fulfillment, satisfaction, and completeness in Jesus Christ. Verse 11 to 13. What do we get when we put our faith in Jesus Christ? God has removed our old flesh and he has enabled us to live for him. And so when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, because of Jesus, it's possible to obey. You see, God makes this change in your life, in your, in your heart, and he enables you to obey. He equips you to conquer sin. We are buried with him. We are also raised with him. We were dead in our trespasses. God made us alive together with him. What benefits do we get when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and embrace the Christian worldview? Forgiveness of sin. For good. Not a temporary forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin for good. God has forgiven us all our trespasses. Verse 14. By cancelling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. God shamed sin and the devil by triumphing over them in the cross of Jesus Christ. We stood before God guilty. We had our charge sheet before us. The verdict was sure. The evidence clear. Guilty. Beyond any reasonable doubt. The witness against us was legitimated as God himself. The one who sees all things. Our punishment was certain. Eternal condemnation under the wrath of God. Then God stepped in. He sent his son, Christ the Redeemer. Who while we were alienated, while we were hostile in our minds, doing evil deeds, he reconciled us with God by dying on the cross. Because of Jesus, we are accepted, we are forgiven, we are welcomed, and we are empowered to obey. And Jesus is enough. Jesus is sufficient against empty philosophies. And Jesus is sufficient to provide for us a coherent worldview. So Paul stresses this warning. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirit of the world, and not according to Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, uh, our sufficient Savior. Uh, our Jesus is enough. He's enough against empty philosophies. He's enough to provide for us everything that we need. He's enough to provide for us a sufficient worldview. And we pray that we would stand upon this rock. Amen.